What's up, everybody? Welcome to What's in Your Glass. As you know, I'm your host, Carmelo Anthony. Before we get going, let's first welcome today's guest. You guys may know him as an acclaimed director, writer, producer, who, whose latest film, King Richard, as we all know, portrays the life of the Williams sisters and their father, Richard Williams. So again, please welcome to the show, Ronaldo Marcus Green, my brother. Cheers. Hello. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now let's 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 talk about today's selection before we jump into it. So I'm I'm drinking. Uh, it's a new Pinot Noir. I don't even know. I think Sonoma Sonoma County. Um, it's, it's called Blood. I want to say Blood Root or so or something like that. Incredible though. Uh, I was in Atlanta the other day. I was at a restaurant and I asked them to pour me a glass from the you know just a glass of wine. They poured me this. And I, I, I instantly fell in love with it. So I don't know what it is. I don't know who it's from, but this 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 wine is incredible. What's what's in your glass? I got a I got a little little Scotch whiskey. It was a gift, uh, you know, for the show that I just completed. Uh, we own this city with uh, with uh, George Pelicanos and David Simon, uh, HBO, and my editor gave me this. So figured I would I would. Uh, oh, that's a that's a good gift. That's yeah, a good a gift. gift. A beautiful little smooth one and. Just wet the, wet the lips. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, let's 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 get into it, man. Your I, I, your upbringing, right? Um, was 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 anything but I would say linear before before becoming uh, a filmmaker. And and we'll get to touch and to each of those stops first. But what was it like for you? I'm I I was born in Brooklyn in Red Hook, so I know what I know what it was like for me growing up in New York. What was it like for you growing up in New York? What were what some of the, what was some of your interests and passions growing up? Yeah, so look, I, I was born in the Bronx because my dad was like he was from the South Bronx. Both my parents, and he, you know, we were actually living in East Orange at the time, and, and my mom's water broke, and he was like, "You're going to the Bronx just to be born in the Bronx." <laughs> my dad, my dad was very Richard Williams. He was, he was like, "My kids are gonna be born in the Bronx." Both my brother and I. And um, but we actually grew up in Staten Island because at the time uh, Staten Island had had good public schools, and my dad was working in the city and, and wanted us to to go to you know at the best schools that he could get us into, and so we actually lived right around the corner from Method Man's mom, and so we were just right there, right across the Stapleton projects, um, you know, not in the projects but adjacent, you know, and Indeed. You know, that's where we went to school, and, and Staten Island was, as you know, it's uh you know look it's um. It's not like the other parts of the city, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it's not the most diverse part of the city either. And, and at least it wasn't when we were growing up. A lot of racism in Staten Island um, that we grew up with. Obviously, Eric Garner happened there and, and you you, you kind of knew that. And um, so, yeah, it was look, it was like any other, you know, city for sure. Public high school, 3000 kids. And we were just trying to make our way, you know, single parent household. My father raised us uh, black father older brother. And that's, that was the, that was the thing. But my father was like raising in his mind, a baseball player. So like, that was my first, like, you know, we were on the baseball field playing three different leagues and we, we got pretty good. Like, you know, I played college ball. I had two major league tryouts. It just didn't work, you know, a D3 walk on, not great grades and, you know, didn't have the, 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 the coaching of the infrastructure to, to, to really take it further than that. And, and then it was, you know, get a job like everybody else. And um, so that was, that was sort of it. You know, we, you know, humble beginnings, good teachers, that New York city life, you know, but we had good parents, we had good parents and good, we had a father that was there and we were very lucky for that. You know, he preached education, made sure that we, we, we got that. Um, and I had so many other friends that didn't have fathers in the house. Um, 
and went left, went, you know, went, went, went other ways. And so we, we were lucky. We were lucky, like literally like my best friends and people that I know that didn't, didn't quite make it, make it out, you know, and, and, um, took very different paths. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough to know that you grow with folks that didn't, that didn't have pops or, or moms there or somebody in the house to guide them, you know, that after school program that they, they found after school in other ways, you know, we absolutely very, very blessed um, to have that. And I had an older brother in the household that was, you know, studious and went to Dartmouth and did, did the right thing. So I had a, I had a path. Um, folks that were guiding me in the right right way, so I was blessed in that way for sure. So did did did, did sports play a role in, in your life growing up? I mean, I know I know you said baseball, but like uh, what what I played baseball was my first love, like my first love, and I think that's the that's the Puerto Rican side of me yeah. that, 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 <laughs> that that I gravitated towards baseball before basketball. But what what was um, was baseball it for you? Was that like, okay, this is, this is my way out. This is, I'm, I'm locked into this at, at a young age. What was that like? Yeah. For like, so it's funny. Cause my mom is Puerto Rican. So, you know, we, for sure, baseball was like what I thought I was going to do. Like legitimately at some point in high school, because my, our high school team was actually really good. And we went to the city championship for New York where they shut down the school. You play in Yankee mm. stadium, I was the number four hitter on my, on my college, on my high school team. So, you know, I was like playing as high as I could go in New York city sports. And then, you know, when I went to college, I didn't really have a position. I was, I was the backup catcher to the number one catcher in the state. So imagine like, you know, <laughs> I'm really good, but there was just somebody a little better than me, you know? So, so I had to find a position. So I was a, I was, I, I was a, a catcher converted into a pitcher in college. So I had a live arm. And so I was throwing pretty hard, got two major league tryouts, Mets in the Reds. So I, I took it as far as I can go, you know, with the resources that we had. We didn't have any money. But so there were no like camps. You know, my dad wasn't paying for the $3,000 camp. No, hell no. Yeah, there, wasn't, yeah, there, was the, there was the wall, you know, you, know, you want to throw the ball in the backyard, like throw it as hard as you can. <laughs> you know, he did the best he could, but we just, we just didn't have it. You know, I, you know, but in, like, there are no regrets. Like, I, I think, I think, I don't know, you know, you're, you're a professional athlete and there's just a different grind to that life. Um, a travel, uh, you know, you go where the teams are, you go with a league. Like it's, it's a, it's a very different way of life. And I don't think anybody really is prepared for that that part of the sport you just want to play but it's like no nobody just plays like you there's all this other <laughs> stuff that you have to deal with as a professional athlete and 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 what goes into actually playing the sport and i don't know if, if i was really like prepared for that for that part of it you know that that's a a life commitment into into being that and i'm just happy that i had that foundation because i think being an athlete is is how i approach directing for sure. It's how I approach wow. teaching when I was teaching it. It's how I approach every job I've ever had was being a quarterback of a team or how I'm going to lead this team to a, you know, to a championship, you know, just that mindset. And so I think I, I love having that background, you know, as a, as an athlete to, you know, um, cause I think it's helped me in everything else that I've done in life for sure. Facts. I, absolutely. Move, move, moving into, moving into the film space. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Your brother, Rashad, 
um, was, was a filmmaker who, who eventually convinced you to leave Wall Street. For, uh, I, I want to make sure I got that right. Yeah. I, I want to make sure I got that right. That's right. How, I, explain <laughs> that. How, how did that go down? So, you know, look, my brother was always like, just this, like to me, he's he's the God, right? Like he's like he was everything I ever wanted to be, you know, or be like I would wear his clothes or wear his shoes, like put ketchup stains on all the stuff. Like, you know, like, just older brother crushing it. He was always three and a half years, faster, bigger, stronger, you know, right in your face with all of it. And, and it was amazing because he was he was telling our stories. So he went to Dartmouth, started studying drama and then went to NYU and became a filmmaker. And of course, once he started telling his stories, he was telling our stories. He was reaching into the family and like, oh, like these were also shared experiences that I knew about. And I, I didn't think there were things that anybody else would care to hear there. You know, like right. we don't see these. And so once I started, I started to see that there was a pathway towards actually making making it as a filmmaker. I thought like, man, that's that's the closest thing to being an athlete. You know, the closest thing to being an athlete is being a filmmaker. Like the freedom of life is a freedom to choose, like the freedom to create. And I thought, okay, let me let me just see if I could if I could even get into film school. I don't even know I don't even know what that means. And so I remember like using my office on Wall Street to to make a little short film. My brother was doing sound. I submitted that short, and and sure enough, I got into film school and said, you know what? Look, I'm 27 years old. I don't have a wife. I don't have any kids. Like, what? Wh- why not? Let let's let's let me try. Worst things. The worst thing that comes out of this is an education from NYU. Right. That's a that's a pretty good fallback plan for me. That's a, that's actually a great fallback plan when you when you really think about it. Yeah. And that was it. So I bet on myself, you know, and and said, you look, I'm going to take on this crazy student loan. You know, it was crazy. It was like 300 plus. And I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay it back. But I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. And we, we, I have to bet on myself right now, because if I can't make $300,000 with two master's degrees, then I don't deserve to be doing. It. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of mindset. I was like, look, that's that should be chump change. Right. And 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 sure enough, you know, look, it wasn't chump change. I, I definitely had to work with a couple. No, of of course not. But but it's, but relative, relatively speaking, relatively man, when you speaking, when you when you look at it, when you look at like it like that, I, where I see myself and what I think I can do, it it should be it should be just an investment in my in myself and and in life at this point. And I knew, look, I was twenty seven. I had already I had already gotten to a certain level. So I thought, okay. If I could do that with something that I don't, you know, that I'm not that passionate about, imagine if I am passionate about something, what mm-hmm. I can do. And, uh, and that's what film school was for me. And so there was no look, kind of looking back after that. I finally found my, myself, my voice, allowed myself to, to go into a space that, you know, I didn't know it was going to be, you know, how it was going to come out, the results. But, but I felt like at least I found my, my calling, so to speak. So, so then you, you go to film school, right? And, and then, you know, where, where, you, where you studied... Uh, under Spike, you know, you study under Spike, Spike Lee, who's who's incredible. How did how did he help shape your career and like take you on kind of your, your new path? Like, what was his influence with that? Well, I was very like because I was on my own and and really hustling. Like, I felt like you have to like sign up for office hours with Spike. Like, he doesn't reach out to you. you <laughs> no. Like, so I was like, how do I just get how do I get them office hours? Like, oh, you don't want them? Like, I was trading, like, trading baseball cards, like, trading basketball, like, yo, let me, let me just, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you this, let me get your office hours. So I was just hustling. <laughs> because Spike only teaches third-year students, so you don't get Spike mm. until your third year. 
And so I was like, I got to wait three. I'm not waiting two years to meet with Spike. He's on the ninth floor. So I was signing up for <laughs> hours in my first and second years and just half hour here, half hour here. And just having him watch, you know, it started with him watching my short films. Like, hey, Spike, could you just watch this? Little feedback, little things like that. But his work ethic, like the guy is, he doesn't, like nobody works harder. It's like any, like, oh, wow, he's at, you show up at the gym and there's just that guy that's there before you. That's <laughs> <It's> Spike. Spike <laughs> is just there. He's just there before you. And it's, look, he'll leave early, but he's there before you. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. He's earned the right to leave a little earlier, but like he's early, he's on time. He watches everything from every student and he's, he's not going to do it for you. He's Spike is that tough love kind of guy. He's very much like, look, this is how I did it. I'm not telling you how you, you're going to do it. This is how I did it. But if you ask him questions, he'll answer. So right. I would just ask him a lot of questions. Hey, Spike, how'd you do this? How would you write a script? Okay. You wrote it on index cards. Okay. So, so you broke it down. You write that. And he showed me the index cards. So I went out and bought index cards, <laughs> you know, like he would just, I would ask him how he, Okay, you wake up at what at what time and you finish at what time? Okay, so just how he practices, how he, and I just started trying to mimic that, and it didn't necessarily work for me, like, but at least it gave me um, an understanding of how it was possible. So I tried it the spike way and realized, like, all right, okay, that's not me. I have to do it my way, but at least I know. Okay, if he does five hours. I just need to know how I could do five hours. It might not be five hours in a row because that don't work for me. I need to do two hours here, an hour here, two hours later, but I'll try to get my five hours how I do it. And so I just took little things that I could from that and, and tried to you know, lean on him as a resource in terms of casting. So John David Washington, Anthony Ramos, people that I've worked with, it, Spike was the, the, the people that introduced me to their work because I didn't know mm. the work before Spike. So what, what, what would you say, what would you say some of the lessons that you learned from, from, from Spike? It's just not giving up determination. I know it sounds very generic because it's, it, it's hard because Spike is a do it yourself kind of person mm-hmm. and, and a pick yourself on the bootstraps. And, and I like that he wasn't like, I'm going to do this for you or make a phone call. He was, I'm a producer. I did all of this. And what Spike did was he would bring in guest speakers into the class. And so when Thomas, who ended up being the production designer of King Richard, I met in Spike's class and he wow. did Spike Lee. And I remember I was like, oh man, I had his contact number. So when I got this movie, I was like, man, I want the production designer of Spike Lee's movie to do my thing. So I, I like hit him up out of the blue. He didn't even remember meeting me five years ago. I'm the student of film. Now I'm directing Will Smith in a film. Like I have an opportunity to work with somebody that Spike worth, but I met him very organically in the class. And so Spike gave us access to real talented people who were working in the industry saying, hey, that's up to you to network. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I don't know how many people got Wynn's contact information. <laughs> you I'm did, like, though. <laughs> Wynn, what's up? You know, like <laughs> one day I might be able to get tickets to the, sit on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to hustle. And, and that was just the attitude. So Spike... Spike was just a great resource and a mentor in a way that like, I don't know, I, I could ask him anything and he, he'll respond. You know, he'll, he'll definitely respond. He may not respond to, right away, but he will respond. And um, I, I appreciate him being accessible to me, being as, as big of a star as he is, for sure. Absolutely. Big shout out. Big shout out to Spike for that. Diving, diving into some of your, some of your work that, that really spoke to me, right? Your, your film, um, 
Monsters and Men, right? Uh, they, they, you know, debuted in 2018. Um, it, it, it tells the story of, of the aftermath of a police killing of a black man, um, but told through the eyes of a bystander who, who filmed the act. A uh, black police officer, and, and, and I think with a high school baseball, baseball female, I'm inspired uh, to take a stand. A powerful film at a pivotal time in our country. You wrote it, you directed it. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, it was, you know, look, a, a lot of those characters were based on on my real life. Like the the baseball player was a combination of my, myself and my brother, you know, and so I kind of created a character. Uh, the police officer was sort of loosely based on my father, who was uh, who worked for the Department of Investigation. He had a gun, he had a shield, but he was also a black man, you know, so I understood that experience. And I also delivered pizza where Eric Garner got killed. So I, I knew very well that experience. And so I just, I created a story that spoke to me in my community where I grew up that I was hoping that could have, you know, universal appeal, right? Like this is happening in cities all over the country. It's basically happening all over the world, but definitely in America at an alarming rate and we got to do something about it. Um, but I think what I didn't want to do was not, um, value the other part of the conversation, right? Because I think what what we end up getting to is pointing the finger, look at like, and then nothing happens. No, no change happens. No, nothing moves the needle forward. All right, you know. So I wanted to at least hear the perspective from the other side because I actually, I'm sure you 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 probably grew up with friends that are cops. I got plenty of friends that are cops. I got family members that are police officers. I don't understand why they become police officers, but they do. And like, <laughs> I have to respect the fact that they do. I don't know if it's fear. I don't know what happened. But, but, but I grew up with plenty of friends that are police officers that are still on the force today. And so the, the, the actual movie was born out of a conversation I had with a, a real cop. So the dinner scene in the movie with John David Washington was almost verbatim a conversation I had with a, with a friend. We were wow. at Sundance celebrating a short film. He was literally in my short film, a cop. He wanted an aspiring actor. He was in the short. We were at Sundance celebrating the short, and we, we started talking about the Eric Garner case, just like just two friends who grew up in Staten Island. And all of a sudden, what started off as a regular, you know, just conversation started and sort of ended in a heated debate where he saw something very different on the tape than I saw. And I... And I and I was really kind of taken aback from it. I, I, I didn't really understand. And he started going off about domestic violence, all this other stuff that wasn't on the tape. And I was like, yeah, but this guy should still be alive. I'm not saying he wasn't doing something wrong, but he should be alive. Eric Garner should be alive today. And, and that conversation really just like, like the hairs on my skin were standing up when I had it. We were both like, it was on edge. Not like we were going to get to blows or anything, but it definitely felt like two men having a, a real heated discussion that got uncomfortable and, you know, and I, and I thought, okay, that's the moment I knew I had something to, to say. I was like, I have to hear that side of the story because there's a lot of police officers that feel the way he feels. And I didn't know that. I just didn't know. I was sort of blinded by it. I didn't know that, oh, this is what they're going to work with every day. All this other stuff that has nothing. Like, I just, I just feel like I needed to hear that. It was, he was a white police officer. And I just didn't want the conversation to be black and white. So I ended up, you know, I thought it would be better for the film to hear 
to hear it, just hear it from a police officer's perspective, forget. And, and if I took the white out of it, if I, if, I, if I cast a black person to play that role, it would be about the issue. It would be about the issue of policing rather than, oh, it's a white person that doesn't let, like, I just didn't want to get into that. I wanted to, to talk about the gray area. That we, that we often just don't see on film. We don't hear that side. We don't hear the perspective. We don't see how these things affect multiple communities. Um, you know, Anthony Ramos plays the Latino character. You know, I've got John David Washington, the black character. And, and, and I just wanted, I wanted a conversation to be had around, around what's happening in our country. And, and that's what the film is, is set up to, to do is just spark conversation. It's not to solve anything, but it's, it's certainly to, to have you engage in, in meaningful, meaningful conversation around things that, that need to be addressed in our, in, our, in our country. And uncomfortable conversations too, because a lot of times we don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations. When you see two men having an uncomfortable discussion, <laughs> you know, somebody from the outside may interpret that as, you know, a fight about to break out, blows about to break out, or something, but those conversations is needed, especially by men. You know, when you have two men having a real discussion like that, it's impactful at the end of the day because I see I see where you're coming from, you see where I'm coming from, but I still I'm still standing on what I'm standing on, and you standing on what you're standing on. Exactly. But where do we go? Where do, what's right, the absolutely. That? And that's absolutely. where I feel and, and look, as a country, we that's what it is. We we've created you know, Mets versus the Yankees, you know, where it's like, well, that's not how, like, that's wonderful when you're watching a game, but this is the game of life. Right. Like, you know, what I mean? after we take the jerseys off, we're still human beings and, and, and we're not rooting for just one team anymore. It can't just be a blanket. If I'm a Democrat and my, 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 you know, we're not doing the right thing. We can't just ignore the fact that like this, this thing's wrong on both sides. We both can Absolutely. find some common ground. I don't know what it is, maybe Obama thinking or whatever, like there's gotta be some, some <laughs> common ground we could come to rather than just being so polarized. And, and, and I hope the film, look, I, you know, hopefully it, it will have a, a second life. You know, it, it didn't get out there in the way that I wish that it could. Um, it was a little muted and, but yeah, look, it, it, it certainly opened up doors for me personally as a filmmaker, which is, which is great, you know, to be able to support my family. But I do think, I wish that the film will have a second, a second life and, and maybe people will go back and say, maybe there is more, more here. You know, there was something that he was trying to do that, that is still, still very relevant today. Well, I mean, it, it did win the the the, the I want the special jury award for for outstanding first feature at Sundance. So it, it did something for you. No, uh, for sure. Personally, <laughs> personally, it's good. You know, but like if you won MVP and your team lost, the, you know, the team, you like it's not. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet yeah. because certainly, like, yes, I, I certainly have. Um, it opened up doors that never would have opened for me in, in, in incredible ways. But as you know, like your legacy is defined by your championships and, and, and the teams you play for. And like, and, and that, look, ultimately that's what it, having a career versus a job, you know, your, 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 and, and that you will have, right. Your, your legacy is, is what you've put up and the number, the numbers speak for themselves. And hopefully in, in the canon of films that I make, it will be one of those things that would say, okay, that was his first movie. 
okay, he put that up. He put those numbers up that year. They're like, that's, that's wonderful. And, um, and I, and I hope that, uh, yeah, it, it can stand the test of time. That's the, that's the plan. Reasonable doubt. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> the album, Reasonable Doubt. That was the first album for years. Every, everybody overlooked that album until later on, it became one of the most prominent albums that, that, that Jay ever, ever put together. So, um, you know, like you said, I, I do hope and wish that, you know, more people uh, could see it and get out there. And then, like you said, they have a have a have a second wave. Yeah. The Wire didn't the Wire didn't take off right away either. That's a year. No, not at all. Not at no. all. And I, I grew up in the Wire, so I knew it. I knew it was like, yeah. no, it ain't take off. For, it ain't take off for a while. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But we so, got another we got another banger coming, man. I just worked with David Simon on, on he's back in Baltimore 20 years later. Uh-huh. With this show, we own the city, and it's uh, it's yep. starring John Bernthal, um, mm. you know, who was in obviously King Richard, um, but it also has a, a lot of fresh new faces, bringing back some old characters. So I think you, I think you're gonna love it. I like that. I, I, I like that. How when you when you when you're putting these films together, you're directing these films. When you when you're in your creative process, how how difficult is it is to deal with such like an emotional subject matter? Uh, especially at the time in the country now where tensions are high, uh, police brutality is, is at the forefront of people's minds. Uh, and and, and we, we just know that we have to keep pushing forward. How do you deal with that? You know, that, that's such emotional subject matter. I think because we have experienced it so much, not that there's a, there's a certain um, armor that we have um, growing up from certain areas. You, you become accustomed to, to what this is. And what I don't want to ever happen is that I become numb to any issue that I don't want. I can't, I, I don't want to look at it anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to, I just don't want to see it anymore. I, and I have to find ways to still make that engaging because it's important. And, and that's my job, right? My job is to say, how do I make this subject matter not a history lesson, but something that's fun and makes you think and, 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 and shows you a different way to look at something that might just be the same, you, you know? And that's, look, when, when you eat a good meal, you're like, it's just, it's just chicken at the end of the day. <laughs> it's the flavor, it's the sauce. It's like, yo, that was the most banging chicken. It's chicken. Right. <laughs> but like, it's, it's all of that. It's the preparation. And so I, I just try to think about like our stories in a way that, that if there's always a new, fresh, exciting way to, 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 to deal with these subject matters because it, it is important. But, but yes, we have to find new ways to engage with it. Can't keep telling the same story in the same way um we have to we have to try to try to elevate that that and and there's different angles to it i, I i'm it's my job to continue to to be a voice in the community that's it that's how i feel i'm just one voice spike's been doing it for 30 years i'm the next generation it's my job to do it until somebody else does it behind me or alongside me um, and I'm all for all the other filmmakers doing it and tackling it in their ways. I think there's room for so many of us. And um, yeah, I mean, I just support any, anybody that's doing, doing work like this in the community, period. Before we switch it up, you, you, I mean, you, you have so many projects to talk about. But we, but we have to talk about your most recent movie. Um, so that, that's already won a, glo- a, a Golden Globe and has all the buzz this award season. King Richard. 
right? Uh, for, for those who don't know, if, if, you're, if you're living under a rock, I, I would say, uh, this movie tells the story of, you know, the iconic Venus and Serena Williams and their family uh, growing up in Compton. And, 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 of course, Richard Williams, who is determined to kind of write his two daughters in, in, into history. Uh, first, how, how, do you, how did you end up with this, we're working on this project? Well, I think there's probably a lot of different stories, right? you know, but I... I think the seed was planted at Sundance in 2018. So oh, okay. When I, when I got the award for Monsters and Men, literally the person that physically handed me the award was Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, wow. Little did I know that she was going to go talk to her husband about the films she saw that year. Fast forward three years, of course, there were producers that I met and writers, and I had started to do work. So my name was getting out there in the league, so to speak. People started hearing like, oh, who's, who's this guy making noise down at the bottom of the ship? Okay, he's making a little noise. I see what he's doing down there. And then, and then when I think it got to Will and the short list of filmmakers, my name was on that list. So somehow after I met with the producers and I met with the studio and I, and I got, I muscled my way into the room, Will, the first thing Will said to me was, Jada couldn't stop talking about you after Sundance. And so I knew at that moment, it was that film, Monsters and Men, that got me in that room. Mm. And what I think what was going to keep me in that room was everything that I thought I could bring to the project. And I think growing up an athlete, growing up with a father that wore those short shorts, you know, I knew, I knew <laughs> you know, my dad was crazy. He was wild, man. And like, <laughs> But I also had an unbreakable bond with my brother. So that Venus and Serena thing was like, I understood that. I understood a black man that could be misunderstood for being outspoken. Like my dad, you know, like he didn't hold his tongue, you know, and, and people don't like that. You know, when you're, when you're speaking up about things that are important to you. Good thing my dad had a gun and a shield so nobody, <laughs> you know. So it was cool to have a dad that like at least like, Nobody was messing with my pop, you know, it, right. it was, it, it was, it was cool to see, but he definitely had a lot of Richard Williams in him for sure. And, um, and then look, you know, although my mom didn't live with us, I knew what it was like to have a mother that would go over like overlooked for the work that she actually did. And so those components I could bring to the conversation with Will and look, Will obviously had achieved a lot in his life. You know, he, he, he's already, you know, successful megastar, but clearly still wants to be great. And I think sometimes greatness is seeking out energy or the right mm -hmm. mix of like, okay, if I'm with, if I'm with this combination and I, if you can't tell, I'm very passionate about, <laughs> about what I do. And, and, and I, and I, and I, and I bring this, this is the same way I would talk to Will and, and that's the way I talked about the film. I talked about my experience. I'm also a father. I know what that's like. And, and, and my perspective of growing up in a similar area to Compton. Now, Staten Island is not, you know, but the hood is the hood. There's, you know, there's not many filmmakers, I would say, that were up for the job that had even close to the experience that I had growing up. And I think Will could see that. He's a dude from Philly. He's not, you know, he's, he, lives, he lives in nice places now, but he's from the hood. You know, Will knows. Absolutely. Will knows. He's not, he's a, like, and Will's the kind of dude that like, oh, could he punch me in the face? I think Will, like, like, he, like he's just like, 
he would just throw it all away because he could, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what you know when somebody has an edge, like, okay, okay, I like, I, I love that about Will that he just makes you feel like none of this matters. Right. I still like that's peanut, crazy. peanut butter. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, not that's a, that, that takes that. a that that takes a special a special person to be that 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 confident yeah. in, in who they are and, yeah. and, and within their own skin to to approach life that way. Because some people will mis, misinterpret that yeah. and, and 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 come up with some whole other shit. But yeah. Will, I mean, we all Will, Will, Will is the best. Man. Will's the best. Will's what, the best. What, I love what, what Will. He's an incredible human being, and and I really like. I have not a like only positive things to say. And, and beyond just being a great, I, I've always loved his acting. I thought he's a great actor. I think, look, ultimately it's the roles you choose. And right. it was a picture perfect role. It was a great script written by a great screenwriter. And it was up to me to not mess it up actually, you know, because <laughs> there were a lot of great elements that were already built into this, but it could, you know, look, in the wrong hands, this is a cheesy. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's cheesy. You sure. know very well if it's in it's in the wrong hands, it's 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 a bad film, and and not not like subpar bad. And I and I think I think I could say, look, I could bring energy to this to to this in a, in a way that's not going to be saccharine, in a way that's not going to sugarcoat anything that's you know that was hard about their struggle because that's what's important, and also show that like there were five sisters, man. Venus and Serena did this with three other siblings that were picking up home. Absolutely. That were hanging signs. Like we got to recognize the people that go unnoticed. That mom was working, cooking and coaching full time. Like that has to go in this script. This has to go in the movie. And I think just being able to flush out that part of the, the film, because Will is so domineering, he's such a powerful force, but you without somebody to pass to, right? Like, like you right. only do so much, right? But once you now all of a sudden you have, oh wait, I could pass the ball and I could dunk, like it gives you a lot more dimension to work in. And I, I think that's what we were able to do was really create an environment for our star to be a star. And then for other people to also rise. And, and, and we created an environment for a, a, a real family to be born on screen, a black family, which you just don't see, who love each other, who support each other, who didn't have that typical infighting we see in every movie, right? Every yep. movie, it's pitting each other against each other. And it's like, no, let's not do that. Let's support each other. Let's build each other up because it's real. Venus and Serena are like this to this. For sure. They are like... I think I think Venus said to me, Serena's the kind of sister that would skip a match to see me practice. For sure. For like, sure. why would I mess sure. with that? Like, I, like I love like that's what. But you know, screenwriter studio. Let's let's you know like nah, no no let's, <laughs> let's that, sprinkle it up a little bit. Around. That's not something that we're gonna mess with. We don't slam doors in our house. Right. In any other movie, she's slamming the door, running out the house. Like, no, 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 no. Black families, we don't do that. We don't, we, you're not slamming the door. You know what happens when you nah. slam the door? You're yeah. not talking back. You know what happens when you talk back. <laughs> you better not even close the door. You better 100%. <laughs> and, and it's only, only, only us. We know that. And that's, that's, you could feel that. You could feel that when you're watching a movie that there's a, there's an, uh, an unspoken language. There's codes that we have that we just get it. We get it. And, and I think that's what the movie does. 
We had, we had, I had um, um, Anjanu Ellis on, on, on the show. Oh my God. Uh, and, 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 <laughs> shit, incredible. And, and, and she noted, she noticed something of, she noted how important it was to, to everyone involved uh, to, to, to portray Orisine accurately and like giving her large role as a, like, you know, as, as well in the family. What, what was, what was it like, um, you know, working with Will? I mean, you already explained that, but you have to explain that, but how did, like, as a director, how do you toe the line with a, with a, with a star like that? Well, I think it's, it's sort of finding out, look, he's, he's already achieved so much. So, you know, it's different coaching Joe Burrow than it is coaching Tom Brady. Facts. You just have different experience levels, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to be coached. Right. They just need different things. And Will needed to be surrounded by what I think is an amazing cast that includes Anjanou Ellis and John Bernthal and Sanaya Sidney and Demi Singleton and all the girls in that band, Layla Crawford, Daly, uh, Daniel Lawson, um, you, you, you know, Michaela Bartholomew and having surrounding them with players that can play. They're not just like showing up like that are here, that are ready, that are willing to do the work because now he he's not playing by himself. He's not lifting the whole movie. He's he's got players, uh, you know, Tony Goldwyn. Everybody in the, in the movie is their own star and is their own individual and is doing their job. They are they are literally doing their job to the to the very best that they can. And any championship team, that's the way it is. Like without those people doing that, it, it's not enough for the star player to carry carry the whole thing. And I think Will was certainly looking for me to cast that movie, me to surround him, and then guide him to the truth. What we thought was the truth. It started with the prosthetics, right? At first, we you know. The studio put him in full prosthetics and they made him look like Richard Williams. And it was incredible from an artistic standpoint. Wow, you can literally change a human being's face. And I was like, that's great, but I want none of it. I don't need Will Smith to look like Richard Williams. (laughs) You know, and like, (laughs) look, at the end of the day, it's Will Smith with a nose on. And everybody knows it. and And it's distracting. And so what? If you made him look like him, it's not going to make the performance any better. Mm -hmm. And let's focus on what I think Will needs to focus on, which is the performance, not all. Look, it's great when when and and, and for me, look, sometimes, you know, it's a sleeve or a glove or a costume. And I think for Will, it was costume, right? You put the shorts. I know it's crazy as it sounds. You put short shorts on immediately. He's in character like that's all he needed. He didn't need the nose and the cheekbones and all that other stuff. He just needed that one thing to lynch into who Richard was and then finding out the right dialect. How do we, okay, what's the right balance? That's too much. It's inaudible. The real Richard Williams, you can only understand a third of what he's saying, <laughs> you know, and no disrespect to him is Louis. Right, yeah, right, right. It's, it's, I don't know. It's something else. <laughs> History. You can see my man's lived a long arduous life but he still looks good but yeah he he lived it he lived it and so I think it was just fine-tuning all of those elements that go into the storytelling right and then working on like okay what is it about Richard that we want to make sure that we 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 hit home and that we don't sugarcoat and 
all of the struggles, because we have to manufacture some curves in this movie dramatically, because not a Richard's right. And dramatically, that's not the, it's not always like the makes for the best drama when your character's just right all the time. Like he made all the right moves and look, look, they became. <laughs> so Richard is a tricky character because he's really actually the only one getting in his, he's getting in his own way. It's Richard providing the obstacles for himself. And so we just wanted to make sure that like, okay, he goes and like the farting or passing gas, like we're not going to take that out. Like these are really important attributes to this story. And then discovering the backstory and all of those things and working on that. Um, you know, I think it was constant conversations, a lot of script work. It's like you, you watch probably tons of tape. As many shots as you take, you, you've watched as, ma- as much tape. And that's a lot of the work that we're doing is a lot of watching tape. Mm. You know, in, in those terms, it's watching tape. What are the defenses doing? How are they going to play me? Anticipation. Okay, they're going to be here. Oh, there's three ways they can guard me. And it's your best hunch. And then it's making adjustments at halftime. And a lot of what we're doing is very similar. It's strategizing how we're going to tackle these scenes in what capacity we're going to do. Okay, we need a little humor here. Like, this is too dry. And then, look, and then allowing Will to improvise because Will is a rapper by trade, like (laughs) one of the best improvisational actors I've ever met. So I can design a play. Will, okay, go right, left. Like, that's my job, right? Design a play. You've got the players. And then Will's like, okay, the play didn't work, but let me go and do this. And you're just like, oh, well, that's that's why you're paying him the money. (laughs) Because Will can do that extra thing. He can say, Pete Samp is going to steal your stuff. And it's like, oh, like, who does that? No one said right, that right, Will right. Smith in the <laughs> moment because he's in character. And, and, and he deserves all the credit for being able to pivot. But I think it because he's so prepared, you can't improvise if you're not, if you don't know the plays, you know, because then it's just sloppy. Right. You're just going on doing your own improvise thing. If you know the entire play, and then you can navigate. And I think that's what Will, Will really is truly on that level of player who's able to navigate within scenes, who's able to pivot when things don't feel right, and is able to make a play when you need a play to be made. He's able to make that three-pointer when it counts. And that's what you're, at. you're just trying to provide the opportunities for your key player to make the play. That's my job. He makes the right in-game adjustments. That's, that's it. What, right in-game adjustments. That's what he does. He makes the right in-game adjustments, and, and his talent and his skill and his experience, it just it, it, it magnifies all, all, all of that. So that he some people just have it, and he has He's it, it factor. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, me personally, I, I, I think that these are roles that I love to see Will in because he tap in, he tap into something totally different. You know what I'm saying? So when you see it and when you mentioned the improvise, you can see it. You can see his skill and his talent coming out in the ball game. A hundred percent. And like that's where I was, I was very impressed because look, I, I've pretty much seen every movie just as a black kid growing up. I've seen everything Will's done. <laughs> you, you know, pretty much everything. Good, bad, and different. Like, I still like Will and I'll just go, all right, he's in it. I'm going to go see it. It doesn't matter what it is because it's Will. I didn't right. see Wild Wild West, but other than that, I, I, you know, I'll admit, I'm sorry, Will, 
I didn't see it. I just didn't think it was going to be my thing. I saw the music video. I saw the yeah, music. You know, I saw the trailer. You know. <laughs> but 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 no. It, it, look, he he's the uh, to be fifty two or fifty three or whatever he is. He has the energy of a thirty something year old. He's truly like committed to being great. He's not. Um, you know, he has. He just has energy. He has energy, and he wants to. He wants to be great. I think it takes a desire to believe that you can be and that you have support in being that. If I think if Will showed up and like, okay, this team, like you could kind of assess what team you got this year. And, and then, and then you put a certain level of effort based on what you got. Like, okay, right. well, this is that kind of year. That's what he, that's what he brings. He saw how we were building it. And I think it just motivated him to continue to push. And I think when you have Anjanu Ellis, Okay, this is like this is not any act like this. She's a she's a force to be reckoned with. Like absolutely, unbelievable talent. And and when you and like it, it's undeniable. You know when, oh wow, I'm in a scene with somebody that's like doing that. There's no greater motivation to come to the court when you have somebody that's doing that. It's like oh my god, because then it, it elevates your game. Because now we're really playing. Now we're really being actors. And I think John Bernthal, look, I mean, you know, to go from the Punisher and all the roles that he's done to do this and and to be as, you know, chameleon as he is and, and transform into a tennis coach. I mean, uh, unbelievable. You know, Tony Goldwyn from Ghost. I remember watching him and my mom watching <laughs> Ghost. Like, you know, I hated that dude. That dude was like, <laughs> like you killed, you killed Patrick Swayze, bro. <laughs> like, come on, come on. Like, but he's like the nicest guy. Tony Goldwyn, like the sweetest man. <laughs> and, we, we, and those girls, man, un, un, to be 12, 13 years old, come on set and you got Will Smith and all these other things, light, you know, lights, camera, and like to be able to perform to the level that they did, like they, like they're the movie. I mean, without that family, without, without that, you know, the movie doesn't reach the heights that it did. I, I, I agree with that. And that, that team, that team that you guys assembled, that cast is, was, was, was unbelievable. It is unbelievable. The fact that, like you said, everybody has, their lane and everybody is bringing the, you know, their, their own expertise and their own game and for the sake of the whole team. So when you get the whole team together and then you got Will, you know, you got Will running that team, yeah. it, you know, it, it makes him excited too. Cause it's like, damn, I got to do my part, but I also know they going to do their part do too. So, but we did football. I mean, maybe that's the athlete in me. We ran a foot, we ran a camp. Uh huh. The girls, their job, I remember when I met Sanaya, I was like, look, Sanaya, you're in L.A. Demi's in New York. You call her every night. You're the oldest sister. That's your job. Every right. night you got to call her. When we went, you know, look, we were shut down for five months, six months with COVID. Every two weeks, we're going to do a Zoom. We're going to get on. We're going to talk about and forget movie. Let's just talk about our lives as human beings, as, as black folks in this community. Let's 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 bound together and talk about what are going on in our lives. We created a family. And, 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 and I think there's nothing that can be said more than just because now you're playing something else. It's not you're just not going to, to the battle with cats you don't care about. Like you literally 
like this is your sister literally right. off the court and now she's your sister on the court it only raises that level and so we we really did a, a I think we did all of the things that you would do in a football <laughs> camp and like to know each other and icebreakers and and group sessions to like really, really, I think we really loved each other, man. And, and it's rare. It doesn't always happen. Sure, you've been on teams where you like some cats more than others. And, and it happens. It just happens. It's by virtue of the city or where that person grew up. All right, cool. We're just different. And that's fine. This was like one of those things where every single person kind of loved each other. We got lucky. We got lucky. And maybe it's leadership. Maybe it's combination of those things. I don't know. I, I'll take a little credit for sure. You know, but <laughs> well, you had you had to direct it. You had to put it. You had to put the play together. Put the play together. And, and then they had to execute. So you had to put the you had to draw the play over. They had I'm to execute. So. You know, I'm going to take credit. Sorry. <laughs> But I want to I want to bring it back, you know, kind of full circle before we wrap up. Um, I, I I need to hear, or we need to hear, the audience need to hear, kind of like what you what you focusing on right now. Like what what are you spending your energy uh, on, on on this year ahead? What else should we be looking, you know, kind of out for and heading into 2022? Yeah, so I just finished uh, a limited series for HBO. It's called We Own This City, um, written by uh, George Pelicanos and David Simon. Like I said, 20 years. Since The Wire, they're back in Baltimore. So yeah. I think it's a real banger. It's coming out in April. It's starring some really, really uh, a, a amazing new cast. Um, Daryl, Britt Gibson, uh, Josh Charles, uh, Jamie Hector, uh, and of course our boy John Bernthal. Um, you know, uh, McKinley Bleacher, if you like Ozark, like there's a lot yeah, of things that you're going to love, um, you know, uh, in this show. Um, Dagmara, really, 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 t- if you like Succession, um, I can't say her last name. It's like something, something crazy, but she, <laughs> but we got, we got some real talented uh, folks in that show. And it's an important subject matter. It's dealing with, uh, you know, corruption within the, in, in the uh, Baltimore p- uh, city police, but it's dealing with it in a way that I think shows how how far reaching uh, these issues go. And I think that's what, what George and David do so well. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to see that, hopefully get behind it, hopefully share it. And then uh, I'm attached to, do, to, to write and direct the Bob Marley biopic. Um, so wow. I'm looking for wow. Bob, you know, right now we're, we're very close on <laughs> casting him. So I'm working with Ziggy and the family, Sadella and the family to, to, to honor their father. I, I mean, Bob's message to the world, I think is, is, there's no more important time than right now. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, I think I stand by what, what as being a, a revolutionary of sorts, Growing up, my, my middle name is Marcus, named after Marcus Garvey. My, that was not an accident. My father, my brother's middle name is Ernesto, after Ernesto Che Guevara. Like, these were not Absolutely. accidents. My father was a revolutionary spirit, and his sons are now trying to pass the baton and, and tell stories that are, that are meaningful to our communities, Black, Latino, and getting our voices out there and our stories told. So hopefully there'll be a lot more. You know, hopefully we'll be working together. I know you got some. Man, listen, some let's work, man. Let's let's work. I'm gonna I'm give you my. I'm gonna get your information off offline. So we yeah, can please do. Man, I want to come support you wherever. I'll take absolutely leads up there. You just let me know. I'm. I'll come in. Likewise, I'm, I'm, like, likewise, man. I, I I would appreciate that. I look forward to working with you on something for sure. 
we we're gonna bring it bring bring it all full circle back what to what's in your glass and the reason why we're actually here. Uh, I, I just have a few quick fire questions that I I like to ask the guests and we all we all have to know kind of what's in your glass on on some occasions. Um, if you're relaxing on a vacation, what what's in your glass? I'm doing a pina colada. I'm just going classic. Okay. Going classic, <laughs> that coquito. The, you know what I mean? That's the boat. That's that boat. That boat equal. That boat here. You know what I mean? Comes out for sure. Bacardi. You know. I'm, I'm gonna get that little, that little straw hat. That little. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. If you if you out if you out at a nice dinner at a, at a restaurant, what's in your glass? I'm definitely doing a red wine. Um, Pinot. I'm definitely doing a Pinot, something like that. Depends. If I get a steak, I'll go a little heavier, do a little Malbec. I don't really know. Like, you could give me two buck Chuck, and I couldn't tell the difference between that and, like, $400. I'll probably choose the, the more expensive one because like, it gives you less of a headache. But, you know, whatever looks nice. I like presentation. So if you give me the nice bottle, more than likely I'm going like to like what's inside. <laughs> okay, perfect. If you're, you're, you're okay, you're you're celebrating. Uh, let me see, the premiere of 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 your film, like King Richard. What's in your glass? Look, I, what's in your bottle? I've what's never in the glass? Had what's Dom, in the Dom Perignon <laughs> champagne? I've always wanted one, but I, you know, I would say, look, maybe one day I'll I'll I'll, I'll get that bottle, or somebody will get it for me, and I'll and I'll, and I'll drink to that. I, I like a nice champagne. I really do. I mm. you know I, I stick to the verve. But, you know, I know there's some some better glasses out there. So I'm, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for Will or somebody to say, here you go. Here you go, son. <laughs> indeed, indeed, man. My brother, man, I, I just want to say thank you so much, man, for, for joining me for a glass of day. Uh, Ronaldo, and, and best of luck with everything you have going on thank you. right now. Good luck with, you know, with, with, the, with, the, with the biopic of, of, of Bob. Um, I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna tap into something different when it when it, when it comes to that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and just thank you to the audience for tuning in this week. Uh, but you know, as you as you all know, please follow, rate, review. Um, what's what's in your glass on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast at. You can also check the videos out on on on, on each week on YouTube. Um, but we're gonna close this out right now with a cheers, a virtual cheers, cheers. my brother. And thank you. I really appreciate you. Keep in it's touch. All love, Give man. you my email. Indeed. One love. Absolutely. We definitely I'll be I'll be reaching out to you. Much love.